0: Welcome to the Phil Nason Show.
1: Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes, and I've got a great show planned for you today. Playup.com. Playup Sportsbook presents this show. Playup is always your best bet. Head on over there if you're in Colorado or New Jersey at Playup.com. Don't forget CashWithFlash.com. All your picks, all sports. All day long. That's cashwithflash.com. My next guest needs no introduction. He goes by the mantra if you can't make a good bet, or I'm sorry, you can't make a good bet a better bet by making a bad bet. You can find that in his Twitter profile. Facts is here. The real facts is here. What's happening, man? How are you, Phil? I'm doing good. I just butchered your mantra, though. I mean, I yeah, got you, too excited. Boy, you,
2: sure, you sure did. I well, we might have to get a guest host for the next one.
1: Yeah, well, there'll be a next one for sure. You know what? We need a guest capper because I went 0-5 yesterday in college basketball by like a slim margin, and I'm like, what? But that's college basketball. That's non-conference hoops, and that means really not a whole lot. I'll get it back. But the DK fiasco, DraftKings, they had that tournament for – they call it the World Championship of Handicapping. And it started out ugly. It turned out good. What do you think it really, about – i I would have
2: reclassified it as the the World Championship of Buffoonery.
1: <laughs> I knew that you would. No. I mean, I only
2: I only know of one person that can run a contest equally as
1: poor, but I won't
2: I won't mention his name. We'll get to him in a in another podcast.
1: Yes, we will. We'll have a great debate, and it'll be a lot of fun. You listeners out there, you're going to learn a lot during that debate. There's no doubt about it. But DraftKings, you hold a world championship of handicapping, then you put limits on people, and then you say no, you you let people bet twenty five bucks, but not five thousand. The whole thing was ugly. There was a good resolution. At least, you know, DraftKings took a $4 million bath. But what do you... Now, you've been in the sports betting business for a long, long time. You've made your living at it. You're one of the best that ever did it and does it. What do you think about that tournament?
2: Well, I
1: think if it's run properly... And
2: I would say this about any tournament or, or contest you have to have clearly established rules that have to be the same for anybody or for everybody. And you can't, you know, you can't have a a contest where, I mean, everybody's got to be on the same, on an equal playing field. And they didn't, um, they didn't do that here. From my understanding, there were people who, as regular bettors on DraftKings are limited players on how much they can bet a game. And so when those players entered, they were allowed to enter the contest, but they weren't allowed to bet as much on a game as somebody else entering the contest. Well, that's just not fair. Um, and now, as a resolution, after this became a big uh, a big thing, my understanding is, that DraftKings refunded everybody's money and everybody got their $10,000 buy in back I, and I believe they refunded anybody who had any losing wagers as part of their contest and anybody who had any winning wagers was able to keep that money and on top of that, they still paid off the prizes um, for the people who did have the best record so they paid out the million and the Uh, the second place money and the third place money and all the rest of the, the places. So that's where the $4 million uh, bath came in as I, as I heard it now, whether that's the actual, I haven't seen anything, um, any public thing posted about how it was all resolved, but that was my understanding of what had happened. Um, so you might want to check other sources to confirm or verify it, but that's, uh, that's what I heard through the grapevine.
1: Either way they gave themselves a black eye, they look silly. And it should be interesting when they move to New York City, New York. Did you see that? 51% tax rate on all winnings in the state of New York for the casinos and the sports books. What's the vig going to be like there, you think? <laughs> so on. the I'm not
2: so in other words if let me see if I understand that correctly. What you're saying, you're saying so if a player bets a thousand, so let's say they lose eleven $1, hundred, the government's
1: taking five hundred and fifty dollars tax on that. Yep from the from the sportsbook operator. Yep.
0: But well, that can't
2: be on each. But that's going to be on got to be on net wins. Yeah, right? net wins.
1: It's net wins. So yeah. they're
2: taking fifty. So basically, they're saying we're we're, we're your partner, 50-50. Yeah, essentially. So they're yeah. going to take. So what they're going to do is they're going to take the net win of each place and they're going to just chop them in half for revenue.
1: Chop them in half and charge them. I think the license fee was twenty five million dollars.
2: Well, oh, I I mean, you have got a 50-50. Well, as long as they, I mean, there's a couple ways you can look at it. I mean, from their perspective, they're going to win anyway, and they're going to make money, and they know how much money they're going to make. So would they rather have half of what they were making or nothing? So that's the way they look at it. I mean, it seems
1: clearly a little usury on the part of um, New York there, but... uh, (laughs) I could go for days about that. I live in Queens, so yeah but it's interesting
2: but I don't know necessarily that that has to pass itself off into the VIG because whether they charge you a dollar 20 let's say they charged you on a game that we normally would lay 11 to 10 let's say they charged you a dollar 20 either way that's not helping them any that's making less people bet and it's making and they're still giving up half the month half the profit. Well, there you go. And, in essence, what they really should do, if they want to raise their their profit, they they should charge no vig. They should go the other way, increase their increase their volume, and charge no vig or or like two cents vig on either side. Get their volume up so high that they'll make more money. So but they'll be making half of more instead of half of less.
1: Right. Now when I look Four. at these operators though, fats, you know what? I see that their lines are kind of dodgy to begin with. Uh so I don't know what they're gonna do. It is interesting though, that's for well, sure.
2: The one thing that they have going now with all these sports books is they have a a plethora of square action oh. coming into these places. And what and that's what that's what pays the bills. I mean, like you know, you take an example of a, of a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter what the sharp guys like on a Super Bowl. The public is going to control what that line does. Right. And, and it'll be the. I don't know that it necessarily has the same effect, you know, on the day to day. But it's got to have some effect because I mean. Look at the commercials. I mean, you can't turn on the TV without – watch any show on TV on a major network without seeing at least one or two sportsbook commercials.
1: Oh, I know. Caesars is everywhere. J.B. Smooth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But they're going to make a fortune. I think you might be right. The way you would do it would be to lower the VIG. Or not charge any and just go for volume, but somehow I don't think they're gonna do that. We'll have to wait and see. I'll let you know. Opening day, because I'm in New York, I'll let you know for sure. Middling. We were gonna well, get we're, into this.
2: Well, let me just go back to that. Raising the VIG isn't gonna it's gonna turn more people away and it's not gonna it's not gonna increase it's not gonna really increase their their profits. So I, I would that's why I would say I mean I'm not I don't think they could go juice free but I just think that raising the vig is not going to would not offset that in any way in my opinion.
1: Okay. That sound that's fine with me. I am going to be interested to see what happens cuz I've watched FanDuel and DraftKings for a long time. Those two specifically because I played DFS for a living for a couple of years at Daily Fantasy stuff. And I've seen a lot of craziness from them including this last weekend with the handicapping tournament okay they made good but they they were forced basically to make good and, and that's by people like spanky who made it public as quickly as they could you know so we'll have to wait and see on that but we
2: were I'm gonna, gonna get i want to want to ask you a question on that tax uh law does that include the profits from daily fantasy as well is that a the same tax, or is that a different category?
1: I think it's a different category because they go under a different law. Uh, it's I can't remember which law it was. They they had frozen daily fantasy, like in the state of New York, for quite a while because of some shenanigans behind the scenes.
2: Right, but, I remember that.
1: But at the end of the day, I think they're separate because well, if, if that, they're
2: separate, then that's the, the, they'll the, that's where they'll they should promote their focus because that's they're not giving away 50% of the money. And that's the, the daily fantasy. That's just free money. Yeah. Get, they're
1: just taking a rake in. Yeah. allegedly it's just the rake they get, but there's a, they're making money over there. There's no question about it, but like I was saying before, there are a lot of things that we wanted to get into, but we ran out of time, sadly, but I knew after the first five minutes, I was going to bring you back if you were willing but middling, middling is something that a lot of people talk about. I think that maybe they don't understand it so much. What is middling? And and how, what about the pitfalls?
2: Well, the thing, middling is when you bet both sides of the same game. So let's say you got a game that's, uh, you got to, you lay two on a game. And like a basketball game, you lay two. And now the game goes to, to four. So now you bet the other side plus four. So let's say you have a dime each way you're, you know, you're only going to lose $100. If the game falls 3 you're gonna win $2,000. If the game falls two or four, you're gonna push a bet, and win a bet, you're gonna win $1,000. So that's, that's basically the concept of middling your your small risk with with big reward.
1: And that's but, something that you do a lot, right?
2: No, yes and no. And I'm going to, this is where I go back to my mantra. And the mantra says, um, even though you butchered it a little bit, but we'll we'll just get it right gonna, now.
1: I'm going to get it right right now one more time. It's You, you can't you make can't a good
2: make, bet. You can't make a good bet a better bet by making a bad bet that's the way now, I should I'm gonna break that down for you what is a good bet a good bet is um basically what you consider uh when you when you beat the line when when you laid two and the game closes three three and a half four that's a good bet or you know I mean a great bet you laid two and the game closes seven or like last week, you take San Francisco plus two and a half, and they close five and a half. I mean, that's a great bet. Okay, so that's a good bet. You beat the closing line standalone. That is a fabulous bet. Now, let's say when you bet at a painted number, the game is, let's say, a game is just eight everywhere. Everybody's got eight. You could go, you could log into any account or call any bookmaker and ask them the line. They're all going to tell you the line's eight. You have no edge whatsoever. So betting that game at that number, by definition, is a bad bet. I mean, it's basically just a bet. You're just strictly gambling. You've got no edge. You've got no... Um nothing going for you. So if you bet a game at a closing number, that's basically a bad bet. So what the mantra is basically saying is let's say you laid five on a game, and now the game is eight everywhere. You got there's a ton of value in the five, the good bet. There's no value in the plus eight because you can bet that and you can go anywhere in the world and bet plus eight. It's it's eight. They're giving it away like candy. So you can't make the good bet. Now, obviously, if you lay the five and you take the eight, now you have that middle working for you where you're only risking the small juice for the high reward. If the game falls six or seven, you win two thousand if it falls Five or eight, you win a thousand. Anywhere else, you just lose a hundred dollars. But you can't make that five, you don't improve your value on the five by taking the eight. You can't make the good bet a better bet by making the bad bet. What that means is you are better off in the long run not taking the eight and just going in with the minus five and not buying it back at all, because you already have a great bet. Why? Don't mess with it. It's it's already good in and of itself. You're not improving your value of the minus five by taking plus eight, which you could do any day, any time, any place. You can't lay five anywhere, any time, any place. So that's the, the theory of the the mantra.
1: And it's low and now, risk, right? That's the thing. It's low risk and high reward.
2: But your, but your, your real risk, it, basically what happens is let's say you let's say you lay the five 20 times and you take the eight 20 times along with it. what's going to happen is probably 12 or 13 times you're going to win the minus five side and let, let's say on the times that the, on, let's say the first 20 times it doesn't middle because it'll probably middle maybe a few times. But any time where it doesn't middle, you're gonna win the minus five side a lot more times than you're gonna win the plus eight side. Right. So you're better off just betting the plus eight side because what ends up happening when you play, yeah, you'll occasionally you'll hit a middle or two, but what basically what you're doing is you're taking the guy who's dealing you the five or the place where you got the five, you're taking all that guy's money and you're giving it to the guy who's dealing eight. Instead, of, you should just be putting it in your own pocket.
1: Right. That makes sense.
2: A, a, a prime example of this from back in the day would be when you used to get a mom and pop bookmaker that used to deal the line out of the newspaper. Right. OK. And then you know, they, they'd have all kinds of crazy numbers Like you'd be like laying five in the game, seven or eight. You They'd have that. Okay. And if you took that guy's, that guy who's dealing the mom and pop guy, who's dealing you those lines, is only going to lose so much money to you. And then he's going to say, all right, uncle, I can't take it anymore. If you get paid at all,
1: <laughs> right.
2: If, if you get paid, he's only going to pay you so much. And he's going to say, all right, I can't do this anymore. You're too good. So if you're if you're just middling all the time, you're taking a lot of that money you're winning from him, which is only limited in quantity because eventually he's going to say, I can't do this anymore. And you're giving it to the the plus eight guy like a Chris or a pinnacle or, or somebody like that. That's that's what they're there for to just book at the at the, the painted number. Um, the, the, they define the painted number, so you're. I mean, by definition, you're not beating those places, right? In, in general, so all you're doing is taking the money from the a, a, a source of money. So you're better off just betting it and just keep betting that guy until he doesn't, um, you know, until he doesn't, until he doesn't want to take your action anymore. Now, similarly in the case of, you know, if you just happen to catch lay five on a game and the line starts to move, to, just starts moving after you bet it, and now it's up to eight, well, that's pretty strong. Why, why do you want to give that away? Now, if the game's painted at eight and somebody else goes to nine, there's, there's a case, you, you can make a case for taking plus nine for, a little bit of a hedge there because you're beating the number by a point on the other side of the closing line. So that's okay because there's, there is some value in the plus nine if the game closes eight. So, but if you're just betting at the painted number, you can't make a good bet, a better bet by making a bad bet.
1: That makes a lot of sense too. And a lot of people fall for that and lose money, right? Cause they're not paying attention to the number after they make their bet.
2: Well, there used to be a guy in Vegas. His name was Artie. Uh, I believe he was Artie from Chicago. Everybody knew him. this guy mm-hmm. was. He moved for everybody. He had a runner in every casino. I mean, he was if you needed to get down, he was the guy. If you, and he just liked the bet. So I mean, he worked twenty four seven. Like he was always there. He never took a day off. And it turns out, I mean, he he didn't even. He just wanted to bet. All he wanted to do was bet for sharp people. Bet, 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 and if he, he would bet, and he would turn stuff in. He would keep something for himself. And uh, hey, gotta call you back. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> he would he would keep stuff for himself. But then what he would do is he would always buy it back. He was strictly a mill middler, and. We were like, like we couldn't believe. All we could, but what the problem Artie had was, he would always have runners run off and steal from him and run off with his money. So he had all this great information. He was betting all these games at great numbers. He was buying them all back, trying to middle, which he hit his share of middles. But if he was would have just stuck with keeping positions on on those games that the numbers he's had, he would have been a lot better off because all the stuff he had overcome with all the people running off with his money and, and everything else and and the money he was giving back. But he was, and that was one of the first watching him was one of the first uh, places where I kind of, the concept in my head was like, why are you buying this stuff back? Cause I mean the stuff you had back in those days, Like when you you had a hot game, you know, I mean, they they just seemed like they I mean, they probably still only won 55 to 60 percent, but they seemed like they won like 75 percent of the time in your mind. Right. Anyway, there was a guy.
1: Didn't he used to hang out at the showboat also?
2: mm, No, I I don't. He never left the house.
1: Artie. okay but his people used to right probably he, he, he probably had somebody had some he had somebody
2: in every casino they were wired with radios he was always like the top of the um and he was the top of the food chain for getting a call from just about every every shark guy
1: because there was a guy that used to hang out at showboat in the bowling alley which was very close to where the sports book was. And he would get calls right on the phone from the bartender at the bartender's house phone. And it was (laughs) really amazing. And and I used to sit there and watch, and I go, What is he doing? And and then I realized who he was. He was a runner, and he was waiting for the line to move to go make the bet. That was before Pager's, though. So they would call the casino, and he would be sitting in the bar, and the Cuban bartender would give him the phone, and next thing you know, he would be off, he would go, and then he'd come back and watch the game. So,
2: the, those were <laughs> – there were always – everybody always had a gimmick for how the, to to get the information, from beepers to – there was one – they used to have the beepers um, that were the voice beepers, so you would call them out. Like, so when you said the – you would say it over the like, Pittsburgh minus three, and it would come out over your beepers, so anybody who's sitting in range of you would hear it, but they didn't want you having those beepers near the sports book counter. So I found that I figured out a way to, to, if you put the beeper and you clasp it to the back of, you know, the little rim on your, the back of a baseball cap, Mm -hmm. and you put it on the back of a baseball cap, if the, the beeper went off while you're at the window, if the beeper went off, Nobody sees it because it's behind your head. Right. You hear it because it's coming right out, and other people they don't know whose beeper it was that went off. So <laughs> you could be safe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I get it. I, I still I remember the days in Vegas when there weren't beepers, and it was like the situation at Showboat I described at Desert Inn. It used to happen all the time. Caesars, there'd be half a dozen guys waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for a bartender's phone to ring, or whatever. They go pick up the phone and it was just interesting to watch. But now you got cell phones. You can actually well, take pictures inside the casino. I, I'm just amazed.
2: Well, it was a that was a big thing when they finally allowed cell phones in the sports books. Right. Like, when they changed that law. But there were, um, <clears throat> I mean, the evolution was, it originally was, there was the pager, you know, where you'd get a beat. What a phone number, and then you would have to go find a phone, call the person back, and see what they wanted. And then there was the voice pager where you could just speak the play in, and the person would hear it. Then they came up with alphanumeric pagers where you could actually type the play in, and it would you get a readout display. Then, then they came with the the radios, like the these walkie-talkies that could transmit all over town. Right. And and then but the, you know, then what they would did with those was they would have a wire that would run up the walkie-talkie that would go into a person's ear. But then then you could see the wires, so then they came up with wireless earpieces for it. And it was just an evolution after an evolution to to stay ahead of finding a way to get the information to the runners. Um Back then and now you're allowed to
1: have a cell phone in the sports book. So
2: they've they come a long
1: way there. I took a selfie. I, I left Vegas and went to Greece when when, the, when my casino was imploded and my tennis club went with it. I went to Greece. And then I hadn't come back to Vegas until 2018. And, and I took a selfie in a sports book with uh, Jimmy Vaccaro, actually. And uh, it was funny. I couldn't believe that I was looking around at all these cell phones and I'm going, what in the hell? <laughs> Who would have allowed that in my day? There would never have. They didn't. You know, they used to push tourists around for that stuff. I mean, not in a hard way, but they would say, "Look, you can't do this. You know, don't take pictures of these people." But it's grown, hasn't it? But now you talked about the middling. We talked about yeah, numbers. Now,
2: just a, let me just sum on sum that up. A couple of those terms that we referred to. People used to ask me. Well, do you play middles? And my response to them was, always was, I don't play middles, I play half middles. And they say, what's a half middle? I said, it's called a bet. (laughs) In other words, like the minus five plus eight situation, I've got the minus five. So that's about, I'm just, that's that's a i I'm playing a half middle. I'm just going to lay the, the five, I'm not going to take the eight back, I'm just playing a half a middle. Um, was the term, and then there's another term, and this is what I consider the biggest pitfall fall to any middler that uses this expression is in the long run just giving money away, and that's the term closing a position. And that's the guy, and that's similar to like Artie that would. Have you know be on top of all the sharp information and get a whole sheet. Maybe there's, let's say there's 20 games on the sheet and he's got you got leads on 13 of them and you're probably beating the number by two or three points on every game. And now it's getting closer to post time and you still have positions on all these games, but the but they're they're all good good positions as the mantra says, good bets and because they're they've got the term middling in their head they feel it they have to buy the other side back before the game starts and they refer to i have to close the game and so if they had three dimes minus five then they got to figure out where they're going to take three dimes back on the other side and if they don't have you know a great number they just take it back into the painted number because their mindset is well we have to close it we have to be even on both sides because they don't get understand the concept of playing a half middle. And if they have that mindset of closing a game, they're, they're destined to, they may still make money, but they're destined to be given, given a lot of money away.
1: Yep. That's a fact. And this is great stuff. Now you and I have been behind the scenes, talk a little bit about NFL stuff and numbers and, uh, you know, you made a statement on the show last time about uh, handicapping the handicappers. It's something that I like to do too, and, and I've gotten more, I've gotten better at it since I met you. You encouraged me to do that, but you also talked about a little bit about good and bad NFL numbers alongside key numbers. And, and, and now we have some time. You want to expand on that a little bit?
2: Well, most people do know that the NFL 3 7 10 14 are your strong numbers and, and then there's people that'll say well well the two point conversion makes the three less less strong and I personally I disagree with that because when I watch the NFL I see enough times where because of the two point conversion a game that maybe where a team missed an extra point that before the two-point conversion had no shot of ever getting back to three, now can easily get back to three with one two-point conversion. So to me, the two-point conversion helps a game get back to three, not hurt the three. Now, obviously, the missed two-point conversions could might increase the one or the two a little bit, but, but the bottom line is the three is still is still strong. Now, I would betting the NFL, I would make this. First of all, we used to have a thing in in the day. We always used to say on Saturday we would bet college football, we win a lot of money, and then on Sunday we would give it all back in the NFL. And there I mean there's a reason for that, and that's because the NFL just the nature of the game is designed that yeah I mean you just don't it, it's it's as much as everybody it, it's I guess the way to put it is everybody thinks they can handicap it but <laughs> it's it's so unpredictable I mean I mean just look at just a couple of the games look at the Jets game last the other Thursday night against the Colts. The Jets came within I mean you can't because they were losing forty two to ten, you can't qualify that as a bad beat, but if you had the Jets, but the Jets were on the fifteen yard line getting ready to about to cut the game to eight after trailing forty two to ten with three minutes left in the in the third quarter. So take the take the Bears. The Bears looked like they were they had no shot, and all of a sudden, come the fourth quarter, they came back and took the lead, and then managed to lose the game on a last minute field goal. Right. Um, Sunday, Atlanta was 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 pretty much manhandling New Orleans the whole game. Then New Orleans comes back and scores, but then Atlanta goes down and gets a last second field goal to get the win back. So, I mean, stuff like this happens in the NFL. Week after week, and you never know when. I mean, I mean, take a look at the look. Look at Jacksonville last week. Jacksonville beat. How many people that were lucky enough to not have used Buffalo in their survivor pool yet got knocked out of the survivor pool for using Buffalo against Jacksonville right. as a as a fourteen point favorite. Um. So the the un there's two things there's the unpredictability of the league. And then there's also the the numbers tend to be pretty strong on top of that. So the numbers definitely matter. Now, I made it. The one thing I could recommend to anybody betting the NFL, and a lot of people are going to say, well, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. But if you can go your entire life in the NFL, betting the NFL, and never lay three and a half, lay seven and a half, take six and a half, or take two and a half, you'll be you'll be better for it. All the times that you in other words, all the times that you were gonna do it and didn't do it, I say in the end, enough times that game would have fallen seven, where in the long run you saved money and not lost money and as a funny side note that i went three years once and in three years i think i never i went three years and i didn't i refused to lay three and a half now interestingly enough and this this goes against any principle of of common sense or numbers or gambling but to to an extent but I would, no matter what, I would not lay three and a half on a game. Now, I had no problem laying four after the three and a half went to four everywhere, but I refused to lay three and a half. And, But anyway, I went about three years with that rule not to lay three and a half, and I believe I broke down four times and actually laid three and a half, and two of those games fell three. Now... You know, that just the way that fell, but it's just minus three and a half plus two and a half minus seven and a half plus six and a half. You don't want to be on those sides now anywhere you can buy um, on or off the three or on or off the seven on or off the seven. You still only want to lay a dollar if you can find anybody it's still gonna only charge you a dollar twenty, um, like to take plus so you can take plus seven and minus twenty. There are places out there that are very hard to find, but if you can find them, plus seven and minus twenty, minus six and minus twenty. I, I recommend it. On the threes, you really can go to plus three and at minus minus thirty, minus two minus thirty. Back in the day, it used to be. Um it used to be minus a quarter and we used to play that aggressively and when it was a quarter and one of the uh, other people that Spanky interviewed uh, did a really good interview with who I worked with for many years who's probably one of the sharpest NFL players I ever worked with Um uh, his name was Tiger. And he used to, um, any, th- it was used to be, a, I believe Chris and Grande at the time used to let you do this. Let's say they had the game that the game was either two and a half, three or three and a half. So let's say the game was three and a half. You could take the three and a half for whatever, 50,000. And then they would go to three, and then on the same you could do it on the same phone call. And they went to three, then you could bet lay two and a half minus quarter, <laughs> and if the game was three, you could take uh, plus three and a half minus a quarter, and they go to two and a half, and you lay two and a half flat, or you could take minus two and a half minus quarter, they go to three and a half, and you take plus three and a half flat. And likewise, if the game is two and a half, you lay two and a half. They go to three, you take plus three and a half, minus four. So Tiger used to do that on. And this is when we were we would work we were working together, but we were each on our own. And he used to do that on every single game that was either two two and a or two and a half three or three and a half. <clears throat> and in those days, there were a lot of games like that. So the there was one day in – now that adds up. When you're doing it 50,000, you're talking about um, uh, plus three and a half, minus a quarter for uh, 50,000. You're talking about 12,500 in in juice on the one side and 5,000 in juice on the other side. So you're either losing – 12,5 or 5,000 for a shot at 100. A, a and then he used to do what I used to do would be I would I would split the juice evenly. I would do it plus three and a half, minus quarter, minus two and a half flat for like 25, 25, and then minus two and a half, minus quarter, plus three and a half flat, 25, 25. So I would have the juice split evenly. So I would only. It would only come out to um, uh, 20, whatever it was, 7,000 or something, or, or 12, whatever the average of that comes out to. So anyway, but well, the only difference between me and him was I used to do, I would only do it on a game that was just a painted three. He would do it on any game that was two and a half, three or three and a half, because I didn't want to just be exposed on that many games there was one Sunday that there was about eight. There was like eight or nine of these. And I only played three of them and he played all, um, you know, all nine of them. And the,
1: the
2: only two hit that day, but the two were in the two out of three that I had. So, I mean, he still made money that day, but he he didn't you know most of it went back on um juice. but the value of the two and a half, three and a half on that back in the day, we used to do that. That's why the games that's why they charge you a dollar thirty. Uh, you know if it's two and a half if it's three flat and they sell you, they charge you uh, to a dollar thirty. Which you can't even get anywhere now. Places like some of places will charge you a dollar thirty-five to go from three flat to three and a half. Right. So because they determined we determined after that that it was there was still value even laying laying thirty on the buy. So my recommendation is if you really like it, and and there's nothing wrong with buying it right through from. If it's three and a half flat and it's a solid three and a half flat, I'm buying it down to pay the twenty cents twice and lay two and a half minus fifty. Um, it's not it's stronger, I think, going from two and a half up to three and a half because there are situations where the games fall one or two a little more, so you're better off having the three and a half if you're paying all that juice than the two and a half. Um but on the on the threes, uh, that's the that would be the deal on on buying. But you always you always want to, and you have to beat. If you're betting the NFL, you have to beat the number. You can't be you can't think you're going to win going in and not not beating the number. There's just going to be too many times where if you betted it and the game moves a point against you the eventually it's going to fall and you're, you're not, and you're just going to lose because you had the, cause you betted it, the bad number. So you have to try to always be on the right side of the number, which isn't always the easiest thing to do.
1: Sure. Isn't the way the lines move now, I'll tell you, it is interesting, but, uh, one of the things that we talked about before, too, was uh, when to bet early, how to bet early, and why should you do it? I mean, because we see this all the time on Twitter. Guys are putting their picks out on Tuesday, and uh, that's interesting, too. But maybe they're not right. <laughs> you well, know, I know one guy
2: that puts his picks out on Tuesday who doesn't doesn't believe in closing line value who he thinks it's just it's all about picking winners uh, and he's already really he already had a game the other day or, or a week ago where he, he he laid two and a half early in the week and the game closed one and a half and it happened to fall two but you know it, it's kind of the difference between the handicapper mentality and the better mentality because the handicapper they make their lines they pick their games they like their sides. And they just want to bet that side and be done. Whereas a professional better, he'll want to play the side, but he, he only wants to bet that side at the best possible number. Now, when it comes to betting early, my recommendation for betting early is watch the line movement, watch the early line moves and try and, now, when there's an early line move, a lot of times it's because of maybe some early injury information or something like that. So you want to you try and follow that at the number that it was. Now, there's certain games that with the NFL, because the limits are so high, that the sharp guys will come out and take leads on certain games. And eventually they're, they're going to move and probably keep moving as the week goes on. But when they first bet, they don't hit every place. So you'll see, you can see that a game is trending in a certain direction. And there may be still a few places out there that have the original number. So those are spots where you're, you might want to take a lead on, um, on an NFL game early. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um so that, that's that's one spot where if you just uh like here, let me see if I can give you an example. Um uh, let's see. Like uh the Minnesota Vikings game. Uh no, that's not a good example. Uh yeah i actually i don't have a good example looking at uh... well here's one to be careful of it looks like there was a slight move yesterday on Seattle plus three and a half um but there's still a little bit of very, there's still a little bit of three and a half out there uh, a lot of it's plus three and a half minus um twenty now um but there's still a few three and a halfs out there in a few places on Seattle, and the speculation is Aaron Rodgers might not um, might not be able to play again. He might not clear the COVID protocol by Saturday. So that's a specul a speculative one. The problem is if they announce on Saturday Rodgers is gonna did clear the protocol and will be playing, then that game's gonna might go um go back up to four and a half or five. It opened five and a half. Right. So you have that's something you have to be on t- if you take a lead on Seattle, you have to know why because that's something you got to be prepared to to bail on. Because if they announce Rodgers is back, you're not gonna have time to lay three back it's going to move in a flash to back to four, four and a half, or five. Right. And it's going to just jump. Now, if it turns out that he is out, and you took three and a half now, you're being great shape because that game will probably go down to pick him.
1: Yeah, because Russell Wilson's coming back, though, right? Right. Russell will, the, the one that's
2: the one thing you have going for you, even if you end up with a bad... It, with the, if the game goes to four and a half or five, at least you took three and a half, and you have Russell Wilson in your corner. So that's your that's your consolation prize, but you're not you could be on the wrong side of the number.
1: Yeah, you never know. Jordan Love goes off; he's got the weapons. We'll have to wait and see. But that's exactly the way you play that. Now, I think I think Rogers is out, so uh, I would take this minus three on this system and then flip it over as soon as the news comes out and take Seattle at plus three or take Seattle at three and a half. And I could probably win both. Right.
2: Well, no, well, if you're going to, if you think Rogers is going to be out, you want to take the plus three and a half now. if right. you can. That's what I, yeah, I would
1: take the three and a half. Yes.
2: And then if you, you know, and then when he's officially out, that game's going to go just sit back and, and wait till the number settles in. I mean, if you looked at that Arizona game, last Arizona San Fran game, you know, first it went from San Fran went from plus, I and mean, even though they lost, they went from plus two and a half down to like pick. Then they tripled up to two and a half. Then they went to three. Then they went to three and a half. <laughs> and then that next thing you know, they were five and a half. Again. I know. I mean, it was in. That was insane. I, I took a bath on that game because when that game was two and a half, and by the way, it's one of the there, there's one of the exceptions where I did take two and a half on that game for a for a small bet. And I did too. Okay, but I only took two and a half on that game because I knew I was going to want to like pick them also. So my theory there was, well, if I'm going to like – Pick a minus ten, then, and there's no difference between that and plus two and a half minus ten. So that was that was my justification for taking two and a half. But what I did do with that was, while it was still plus two and a half, I cranked out four teasers with San Fran plus eight and a half to four other games because I knew that game was going to move. So that plus eight and a half was going to look great in a six-point teaser.
1: Right. That's for and sure. Then,
2: so I had four great teasers that all lost because San Fran got obliterated.
1: I was very lucky in that game. I think I think the Arizona defense is uh, underrated vastly. And I think the San Francisco 49ers offense is the same, overrated vastly. So what I decided to do... I told my customers, I said, take Arizona at plus two and a half and then play them on the money line. And then let's wait till Sunday and see what happens. And when it jumped to five and a half, I said, take Arizona plus five and a half and play the money line at plus 200. And we cash big all weekend long because of that. I just value the defense more, I guess. Well, you're more of a number. But you're a numbers guy, though. And your numbers come up more than mine do.
2: In general, in general, a game that moves that much almost demands that you bet the other side like Kansas City went from pick them to seven and a half and uh, and that game went from plus two and a half to minus five and a half you almost have to take a taste on the other side of that just because it just it just moved too far and it's still it's still the NFL. I mean, if Jacksonville can beat Buffalo, I mean, anything can happen.
1: Right, that's true. I kind of thought, you know, the whole thing with the Arizona Cardinals, and I I watched the press conferences all week long, and I'm listening to these defensive players saying we got to back up our little brother, the quarterback, Kyler Murray. we got to go out there and do a good job for him. You know, he's got us to this point. We need to do this and that. And the numbers on the defense look good, so I said, you know what, go for it. I felt really smart afterwards, and, and, and that was a good thing. But betting underdogs. Now, you know a little bit about betting underdogs. How do well, you do
2: it? First of all, and a couple reasons why you might want to bet underdogs in the NFL is because the average square likes to bet favorites. So That's right. By definition, there's got to be value in underdogs. The the another reason is that I mean, you you I'm sure you've been in contests where all you had to do was pick the winners. Yep. So you've got to pick the winners, and you already know who all the favorites are, and you sit there and out of 16 games, you're still lucky if you get if you go 10 and six so if it's that hard to pick pick all the winners with no point spread then how chart can it, how good how good can you possibly do if you lay the favorite on every game if you can't even win 10 games picking the without picking without the point
1: spread right that makes sense so,
2: so just in that theory there seems there's there should be value in dogs. Now, that does not mean that you should just go out and just bet every dog on the card every week. But it's something that maybe, you know, well, it might be a week one situation where you might want to, you know, bet more dogs on week one because on week one, you really don't know how the teams are going to turn out. And all that would mean is that the the odds makers really knew that much and were that sharp. I mean, can it happen? Sure, I've seen week ones where you know, the favorites covered 10 games, and I'm like, like I got dogs up and down the board in week one in the NFL, and and I'm like, how did I lose this many games? How could they possibly have, have all those games right and cover those spreads? It's just it, insane, it seems. But um, the other thing, too, is you want to – avoid um, I have what I call a a do not bet list and that's a, a team that just really just doesn't show up now that would have been Jacksonville I think after the first after like the second and third game um after they blew those big leads and or I'm trying to think of another team that was Oh the Jets were kind of bad for a few games there in a row. When you get a team that gives you like I'll give you an example Jacksonville a few a few years ago was looking like a team that was on the rise again uh, on paper and every week they were they were getting like seven points or something like that. And every week on paper, you look like, wow, that's too many points. And you'd sit there every week, and and all the wise guys that come in, they they bet them down to four. And every Sunday you're, night, you're scratching your head. You, Jacksonville's eh, big X on your sheet. And what I do is uh, I'll just take if I get a team that performs twice in a row like that. And then the next week, like, all the numbers say, ah, oh, they look good this week. I'm not – they're on the do not bet list. You, I'll just pass. If I, if I miss it, if I'm right, then, you know, let everybody else keep – because what happens is people keep betting them every week, every week for, like, the next four weeks if they keep tanking. And then on the fifth week when they win a bet, they'll be, ah, see, I knew it. I knew Jacksonville was going to cover. I was like, but they paid three bets to, to finally get to win the one bet. <laughs> so I, I'd rather just not get involved. I guess a better analogy for that would be like in baseball, <clears throat> when you got a team that's on a, a 10-game winning streak or a 10-game losing streak. I always say, if you want to jump in, bet the team, on the winning streak to win the 11th game in a row because the worst, your worst case scenario is you're going to lose one bet. Whereas the people who say, ah, well, they won 10 in a row. They're due to lose. And I'm going to bet the dog this time because they're due to lose. And then they lose a game. And then they bet the dog. Them, and then eventually after three games, maybe they lose to finally the 14th. They finally lose one. say, I knew it. I knew they were due to lose. Well, yeah, did you pay? You lost four bets on your way. So, <laughs> so just go with go with the streak. If you go with the streak and you lose, you're only going to lose one bet. I, I think the tone, term for it. I think they referred on um, on the uh, uh, what's his daily wager. I think they refer to it as Bogart in the game, uh, where you just take the you just keep betting the same team every day if, you, if it's like on a trend or a street. And uh Bogarting or martin martingaling or something. I, I forget what term they use. But basically I mean if you're on a street then the same applies like take a team that's got a Yeah, can't talk right now. Call me that back in an hour. Um take a a game that um, uh, a, a team that's on a losing streak—it's it's the same—it's the same thing. Uh, the uh, how do you put it? Uh, you just bet instead of betting on them to finally win a game, just keep betting on them to keep losing. It's, it's the same principle
1: same principle you know the Cardinals had a 17 game winning streak this year and I stayed with them all the way up until they were a big favorite on game 18 and I went against them I don't like to go against teams on losing streak or on big winning streaks I don't play that way and it's fun and I did all my games I had 66 plus money dogs and I bet every game is your first five innings I didn't even fool with the bullpens. But your point is well taken, and that's the way it should be. Now, losing streaks. I'm on one for NBA. I just can't seem to string two good nights together.
2: Oh, I I was talking to somebody about the NBA the other day, and I've been told that right now the NBA is really an unbettable sport. Yeah, I'm sorry to see that. And part of the reason is because there's too much – last-minute information. You never know. You can't, like, like years ago, if you had an NBA game you did your handicapping, you could bet in the morning. And unless there was, like, some unforeseen injury or something like that, your numbers would hold up. You'd get good numbers. You'd have good positions. Now, these players, uh, they want – they need the they need a day of rest, they don't want to play back to back nights. Some guys do, some guys don't. Some guys you don't know when they're going to, when they're not. They announce it late and until you have the starting lineups and you know for a fact who's playing when, I mean you almost you can't bet cuz there's too much of a chance that there's going to be there's going to be a big move. And if you and if you don't have access to that lineup information and know exactly how to interpret it, you're on the back end because once that lineup information comes out, you've probably got a minute before the line's going to start to move everywhere if the information's significant.
1: That's that's and
2: true. Unless you're quick enough and sharp enough to know exactly who's worth what, you've got no chance.
1: Yeah, I learned that in Daily Fantasy, and that's something – it's very important. Is you, can, If you're going to bet NBA basketball, it's okay to hire somebody to give you picks. And, you know, they can do their best at 2 p.m., but they don't really know for sure. Pay attention to those lineups. They come out 30 minutes before a game. That's the league rule, but you only have a few minutes to really make a decision. Fast is right. It's becoming unbettable, and that's disappointing to me because I've always been pretty good at the NBA, and I always feel stupid at the end. But uh, losing streaks, how what was the worst one that you can remember you've been on? Because you probably have been on a few since you have been doing this for a long time.
0: Losing
2: streaks. Let me think <laughs> about that for a second.
1: Yeah, because it's been a while. I know you bet differently than most of the betters, though. But
2: <laughs> well, I I remember. Well, you know it's interesting, and I'm, I'm going to go back to something Tiger said to me once, and I mean. Because back in the day, it was just – too. I mean, you might have a losing week here and a losing week there, but it was – I mean, it was a party every week because it was, you know, the early days of Don Best or pre-Don Best. And, you know, you you just always knew you were on the right side of the number and the line, and it, it was just too easy, you know, following the the right moves and everything like that. And Tiger said to me one day, he said, you know, you can't, you're not gonna be able to win forever. I said, There's gonna be times when you lose. And he used to like, what are you kidding? How are you ever gonna lose doing this? You can't do that. And and I went through a can't talk, Dave. I went through a streak where um it was right around the it was the year that um Atlanta lost to Denver in the Super Bowl and go right back to that December and that month of December the take the NFL um And then you, you take the bowl, took the bowl games that year. I went through a boatload, including that Super Bowl. And I was like, wow. I mean, that was like an eye opener. And that and then that was combined with the, the, the divorce that was that it just gotten settled, so that was another chunk of change that the the bankroll took a hit for with the divorce. So between the divorce and the and that that bowl season combined with the Super Bowl, it was uh it was a disaster. But the the one thing the disaster did there was the girl I was seeing at the time, it um it Made it clear to me that she definitely wasn't the one <laughs> because um, I had a huge bet on um, on Denver or on um, Atlanta, and it was right before post or close to before post, and I had a big bet on or Spear. I went to eight and a half on the Super Bowl. And the game was pretty much like seven, seven and a half everywhere. He went to eight and a half. So I bought it to ten and a half. I took ten and a half minus 50 for a hundred thousand. And at the, and on top of that, I had a a bunch of um, prop bets where I had Atlanta like plus 14 and a half minus 200. So I was like, all in on on Atlanta, and the the girl I was seeing, was, I, my divorce had just gone final that summer, and I'd met this girl that summer, and I even though I was in Vegas, she lived in on the East Coast, and uh, you know she she wanted to get married, and I was like, I'll tell you what, if, if you want to live with me for you know, for a year so that you can be accustomed to my lifestyle and things work out. I said, I'll get married. I got no problem with that. Well, she didn't want to live together unless we actually she wouldn't live together with somebody unless she was married.
1: Okay. I said,
2: Well I said, Well that's ridiculous, but okay, fine. So don't expect a ring anytime soon. She was always like Christmas, New Year's, she thought she was getting a ring, no <laughs> ring, she didn't get a ring, cause, right? Because I'm t- not not in the cards. So anyway, that Super Bowl, I got crushed on that game. Oh, a lot and of I was talk, did. I was talking to her the next day, and I said, I oh, man, it was such a bad day." She says, "Why?" What I said, "Well, I had a big bet on Atlanta, and." Uh, and anyway, she says, and she said to me, she says, well, I could have told you not to bet against John Elway. <laughs> Sounds like a was the, That was like, I knew that was the end right there. That was, this, this, this relationship was going nowhere. Oh. And, and, you know, what made that, that game worse? I and mean, to this day, I've never seen it talked about by any announcer that was watching that was broadcasting the game but the Denver was up 21 and Atlanta scored at the end of the game the backdoor touchdown which would have cut it to 14 and for some reason Dan Reeves decided to go for two now if he kicks the extra point he's down 14 Right. He was down 21. He scores a touchdown. He kicks the extra point. He's down 14. I cover the prop, plus 14 on him, minus 200. And he goes for two, and they miss it, and Atlanta loses by 15 instead of 14. But the announcers never commented on going for two. I don't know why you would go for two in that situation. It was never He was never questioned about it. All, all I know is it was like a conspiracy to screw that prop. But anyway.
1: <laughs> Good thing you didn't was, have Twitter back was, then, that, huh? What's that? Good thing we didn't have Twitter back then, right?
2: Yeah, I would have asked. I would have definitely asked about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but as a rule, though, you know, you probably see, I know you spend a little time on Twitter. You see a lot of people complaining about the athletes and coaches and this and that, but I never see you do that.
2: It's. Well, when you win all the time, there's nothing to complain about. Oh, no, um, I
1: forgot about that. See?
2: I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you, you know, you got to take it in stride. I, I complain um, a little bit sometimes, just in private messages or a comment. I commented to to somebody the other day that somebody was complaining about something that they lost, and I said they they took a bad beat, and, I, and then I mentioned about. I had a Moneyline parlay, Um, wasn't a big bet, but it was the Atlanta Falcons and the Vikings on Sunday. Okay. and would've paid about 12 to one. Um, They were both seven point dogs. Minnesota, Atlanta led the entire game until a few minutes left when New Orleans took the lead and then they came back and kicked the field goal to win. So Atlanta was winning the whole game. Minnesota was winning Probably the entire game, except for five minutes of it, and then lost. We <laughs> lost in overtime. So I tweeted to somebody about that, but I mean, it wasn't a tweet that a lot of people would have seen because it was directly at somebody. And uh, but you know, I, I said they should make a rule that when you have a, a money line parlay, you should get credit for the percentage of time your team is in the lead
1: oh that was me oh i mentioned that to you in a in a, in a dm <laughs> yeah in a dm yeah yeah i i came up with a name for this rule that they should have <laughs> so you can win we're gonna call it the close but no cigar rule there you go You're right you should get some kind of consolation for that because you were i was looking at that numbers and i said you know what he might catch this because that's a good hit 12 to 1 is a good hit and they were leading. Both teams were leading so long. But, yeah, the close but no cigar
0: rule. I and,
2: and, you know, the, the funny thing was I was looking for two two dogs to, to put together in the money line. And I thought, you know, New Orleans just beat, beat Tampa Bay last week with the backup quarterback. This is a great spot for them to come flat against Atlanta.
0: And the Ravens
2: seem to let everybody be in the game every week. And it's not like. Minnesota. It's not like Minnesota, you know, has a, an offense that can't put points on the board. So that was why I went with those two. But what was really disheartening was since I was looking for two money line dogs, Denver, a ten point dog, and Jacksonville, a sixteen point dog, both won outright. <laughs> Parlayed the wrong two. Yeah, I had Arizona. I could have even done, thrown those two in and made
0: a round robin. with would hit three out of four.
1: I had Arizona in the car, Arizona and the Browns, <laughs> so I was pretty lucky. I hit both my money line dogs. On it, let's wrap this up, my friend. It's been great, and, and you've already dropped so much knowledge. But I, I'm curious, and I'm sure the listeners are too. On any given Sunday, how much? Do you, what do you got going? How many games are you interested in usually?
2: You want the truth? Absolutely. two maybe
1: three of uh, that's I wrote that same thing in my book I've been around gamblers since I was 18 years old when I went to work as a tennis pro in Vegas and the one thing I learned from the pros not the squares the pros is if you have more than three games you're doing it wrong how can you keep track of more than three games that's six teams well
2: now let me I'm gonna let me clarify that because it's really what I'm on the in the NFL, Right now. I'm not. I'm basically this season just. Because I'm not doing any fan I didn't do any fantasy this year. Right. Because I didn't know how busy I was going to be because of the move and everything. I'm not on top of the players like I normally am. and And I always feel that doing the fantasy gives me a little bit of an edge towards insights into how certain teams are playing. So. Meanwhile, while we speak, one of the three and a half on Seattle just disappeared.
1: Uh-oh.
2: Um, but anyway, uh, so really on Sundays this year, I'm just watching games and, and it's really Sunday is like a day off for me. And the only thing I'm doing on Sundays right now is I'm just looking for spots where I might be able to steal a a, prop, a long shot on a prop or, or something like that, and uh, I had uh, like the first week we hit I hit uh, Van Jefferson to score the first touchdown at thirty five to one opening week, but other than other than that, I'm, I'm really I'm trying to focus on looking for, you know, high return props. The, for low risk and and just catch lightning in a bottle or something like that but and i'm only betting aside if i really get like for i'll give you an example i had one bet on the on an nf other well other than the all right, san francisco i got involved in because i happened to be at the computer when the when that game started moving so i was heavily involved in san francisco but you see it the numbers the only other game I bet straight up was the Tennessee Titans. And I bet it. The number I bet the game at was plus 10 and a half minus 30. That game closed seven and a half. And I just happened to find it out that had nine and a half because they're trying to fade people with the teasers. And so I just bet plus 10 and a half minus 30 and, and just went in with that as a bet. So, uh, but other than that, I, I didn't really bet anything. I'm not looking to bet anything. I liked the Bears. I would have bet the Bears, um, but and I liked Atlanta and I liked Minnesota, but I didn't. Um, I didn't pull the trigger on any of that stuff because it's just not. There, there's just no real no real edge, and I'm not really at the. The NFL is not uh, the best recommendation I give for the NFL is watch it and enjoy it and. Don't bet it.
1: <laughs> See, most pro gamblers say that. Most pro sports betters say that. Don't mess with these pro leagues.
2: You know, and then there's you know, then there's some, and there's so many people that. The only person I've ever seen that could consistently beat the NFL was Tiger, who I who I worked with, and uh, if anybody wants to hear more about him, he did the podcast on Spanky. So. You could hear his story there, and he, he talks a lot of technical stuff and stuff like that. But he used to be, like, on Monday morning, like, when the lines went up, he already had his his feel for which way those lines were going to go. And he was just attacking the numbers when they went up on, on Mondays and Tuesdays in the NFL and then the rest of the week was spent tweaking positions and um and stuff like that. But he would be up and down the card with a lot of bets, but everything he bet would be at such phenomenal numbers that you would take a chance. I mean, I would bet the NFL at those kind of numbers. Um so Uh, I mean, the NFL, don't ever think, and anybody that tells you that they're good at betting the NFL, my first recommendation is don't believe them. (laughs) Right. Because, I mean, there's all kinds of people. I mean, there are some people that might be grinding in the outer, but there's nobody that's crushing the NFL. And anybody that tells you they have a secret formula for the NFL, you definitely want to avoid those guys.
1: No, you want to follow them, and then what you want to do is play the picks against them.
2: Oh yeah, you want to, you want to, you, yes, you want to, you want to know what they have and and fade them. And I'll close you with this note on the uh, fading somebody. Gotcha. The greatest fade of all time was back in the day at the Stardust. In the old days, there was a guy named Jack the Hat. And Jack the Hat was one of these guys. He was just, you know, he would get his social security check every month. Mm-hmm. He would get it the last day of the month or mm-hmm. the first day of the month, go right to the bank, cash it. And the first of every month he was flush. And and he'd spend every day, all day, get there in the morning and he'd sit in a sports book all day. till it was time for him to go to home, go to bed. And then he'd come back the next day and he'd be there. Every day, like, clockwork. Like, if he wasn't there, you'd send out a search party looking for him. you you thought something would have happened to him. So, anyway, he had opinions on everything. But everything he touched turned to shit. (laughs) And what what happened is, but that didn't stop his opinions. And what I discovered was, the only, his, his opinion wasn't bad. It was his choice of what to bet on that was always bad. So whenever he would tell me, you know, because he just constantly he was just touting games, touting games, touting games. And he, I would ask him about the games that he was touting. I would say, well, did you bet that? And some he would say yes, and some he would say no. Anything that he touted that he didn't bet, he could just go to the window. It was cold. <laughs> Anything that he touted that he did bet?
1: forget it. I know who you're talking about
2: <laughs> and the the key was it was too much trouble to weed it out during at the beginning of the month. You wait till about the third week of the month when he was broke right and he even lasted that long and he was on fire. I mean you could just make a living following him the last two weeks of the month because everything he had would win. And he couldn't bet it because he never money.
1: Right, right, right. I know guys like that, but I know that guy because the Stardust was uh, closely affiliated with the casino I was working at, and the boss I was working for. <laughs> you can follow all that stuff in a movie called Casino. Man, fast, great stuff again today, man. Thank you so much for joining the show once again.
2: Uh, my pleasure, and. Uh Maybe the next time we'll have a real good show for him.:
1: Well, we'll have a gr- well, I don't know if we can top this, but we'll have a debate soon, and we'll be setting that up. But I want you all to remember something. You can't make a good bet, a better bet by making a bad bet. And the person that lives by this, his mantra, you can find him at real underscore fats. Thanks again for being here, man. I appreciate you. Okay, you
2: have a good day. Thank you.
1: Hey, you too. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I want to thank PlayUp.com for supporting us, sponsoring this show, and making this thing happen every single day. Don't forget CashWithFlash.com for all your sports betting needs. Until next time, y'all take care of yourselves. Be good, and most importantly...
0: Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.